0: All right well good morning uh it has been a while it seems like, but it's good to be back I have a, uh, a just a Thanksgiving prayer I want to share with everybody, and it's not done yet because God's not done answering these quest- these prayers but my brother uh through marriage, he's my stepbrother, but he for uh he went to San Antonio last uh Friday, he flew down there for some graduations and on the way he started experiencing headaches and nausea, severe nausea. For 15, 16 hours, he was just doubled over. Um, Got to the emergency room and figured out that he had had a stroke. So he had, and he's a few years younger than me, so he's in his, well, he's a few years younger than me. (laughs) But, uh, you know, this is dire to have a stroke, and he's got two blood clots at the base of his brain. Well, fast forward, Sunday morning I sent out a prayer request to our team, and, and I don't know all this, but I'm counting it as praise to God, because Monday morning he was able to fly home, and and he's home, and he's not out of the woods, but he got to fly home. You don't get to do that after you had a stroke, you know, so he's in a healing process, and he's, and God's got him in a spot where he's ready for growth. He's ready to step into this. All right, we're in our series on Paul. And we've named it the Straight Street Series. And I want to share with you why. In Acts 9, uh, during Paul's conversion, Ananias is a, is in Damascus. And Paul's headed to Damascus. He's blinded. And then they take him on into Damascus. And the Lord said to Ananias in a vision, he said, Ananias. And Ananias says, here I am, Lord. He said, Go rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for he's been, for behold, he has been praying. He is praying. That's why we named this series Straight Street. And there are so many analogies and points to walking and stepping into, and and that's the point. Saul's life is a wonderful life to look at. Now uh, Heather started this message, this series out. Then Heidi and Isaac and Chris, and I wanted so much to tell you what they talked about, but uh, you need to go listen to those podcasts if you haven't already or if you review them because they're just, each one is so powerful and they're different. It's, it's cool how we can have series like that. Now, I'm going to talk about uh, Paul's third journey, but before that, I want to pray specifically for the Holy Spirit to reach into us. So join me, please. Father, as we continue to study Paul, let us be encouraged but enabled to see you, to experience your love, your grace, your your love in action, that that grace, to see your creativity in the way that you work the details of our lives together and with you. And, Lord, I'm asking for this understanding, this feeling, this knowing of your omniscience, of who you are your omnipotence and your omnipresence. Lord, speak to us through your word and a moving of the Holy Spirit right now, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. All right, so Paul's third journey is in Acts uh, chapter 18. It begins in verse 23, and it goes through Acts 21, about verse 17. But there's one verse that I want to focus on, and I'm going to draw out throughout this passage or through this message. And that is acts twenty verse twenty four and this is Paul speaking. he has, "But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to be to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. all right, so that's where we're going to go. We're going to keep working on this now nobody has had a map in this in this series yet and I love the map because it, it is worth a lot of words there's a lot of stories and so we're going to take a look at some of what Paul's other journeys were but um, we're going to talk look at this map first and I want to pull some things out hopefully I can do this because I have to step out onto the speakers so I'm going to pull your attention if you're on the podcast um too bad you don't get to see all this But Paul is actually from Tarsus originally. He was Saul of Tarsus. And Jerusalem is down here. So he spent a lot of time there. So he was a tent maker, we know from earlier reading. We know that he spent time up and down here. And we know that from Jerusalem to Damascus, he was headed to persecute people. He had papers from the church uh, to go. And this is about 150 miles. And the reason I say that is because without God, he was going to go 150 miles, but with God, he traveled thousands of miles multiple times. All right, so his first journey, he starts up in Antioch, and he's going to go down through uh, Paphos and up around, and he stays kind of close, Derby and some of these locations. He's with Barnabas and Mark, and he's teaching and encouraging. He's uh, building churches planting churches but I want you to know this first bu- uh, first journey is is kind of a smaller area so his second journey oh one other point he ends in Jerusalem and that's key because when he ended in Jerusalem he he went to a council and that council settled some doctrine that we still rely on today as our biblical doctrine and this was in ad 30 around 40 37 uh, so Anyway, he went on his second trip. He starts his kind of home-based church, is Antioch, and he goes this other direction, through Derby, um, Iconium, up around. And he's going to come around this area here in, the, in uh, Macedonia and then down to Greece, and he's going to come back to Jerusalem, and he ends up in Antioch. His third journey, and I'll mention those names of some people that he, he was with, He did the same thing, except what I wanted to point out, that first journey was more cities. He went specifically to cities. The third journey is much more about regions, and I like to think of it as as being a coach. So he's got churches planted, and he's going back to encourage and teach. Uh, A a few of the notes I wanted to to raise there. um, He was a Pharisee, so he knew the word. But not just knew it. He was occupied with the word. It affected his whole life. Paul was a a tent maker. I said that. He worked to support himself even as he was working to spread the gospel. So work with his knowledge of the word and spreading the gospel. And he was fervent. Do not forget about being fervent. For him and the way he lived life, what he went through, and then for us, this fervency is is a passionate intensity. An example of this is uh, following his conversion in, chap- in Acts 9, we go down to verse 20, and it says that immediately after he was baptized, he started to proclaim that Jesus is God in the synagogues. He, w- he went to the people that were saying this was blasphemy, that, that Jesus was not God, and he went straight to the synagogues to preach this. Okay, so I've highlighted that. Um, in the second journey, he met, worked with Silas and Timothy. He met with other people, leaders in, the, in those communities. Lydia, uh, Priscilla, and Aquila were tent makers also. So your work matters because God's got something lined up for you. He, he wrote Thessalonians on that second journey. Um, in the third journey, he was with Luke and Apollos. And this is key to remember these. And, and if you can read about this, you need to, to know who they were and wha- how they fit, how God fit them into Paul's journey. He confronted wrong doctrine, and sometimes it's just misguided. Apollos was eloquent. He was a great speaker, except he was still preaching John's baptism of repentance. That needed to be changed. Jesus is on the scene. Jesus had died, and he had risen again. This is a, a, a gospel of forgiveness now that he needed to pass on, so Paul confronted him. Remember this. That's going to come back again. Again. And, and got him straightened out, and then he went on encouraging, and he wrote First and Second Corinthians on this last trip, this third journey. Okay, so I've got, you know, all this places and people that he was with and activities, and we could spend the whole message on that. We could talk about, you know, that time of, of our world history. We could talk about the, what was going on politically or religiously. But for our purposes, I want to talk about why he did all this. Why would he go... On these journeys and I want to raise from that verse that acts 20 twenty four four and I'm going to call them immense realities and these are real right now and you may not recognize them but I want you to see how Paul realized it and then I want you to know this and we we've already been in this this morning in this zone the first reality actually we're going to look at that verse acts twenty twenty four and we're gonna look at this verse from the from the end of it going forward. So that last that was perfect. Because you have God in the middle center where you can see it. We're gonna say the reality of God. You have to get God. You have to at least try. You've got to spend your life trying to get God, get what He means. So Paul uh, he he says he, he lives to testify to the grace of God. You can mark it down right now as a certainty that we were created by God. We were made for God. So that for is huge. You got we were made for God. So anything you do, any goal you set, any path you try to take that doesn't involve asking him for guidance, for his direction and his working of details is going to leave this craving vacuum in you. It is not going to fulfill you to the degree that it could. Oh, sorry. Uh, so God was certainly at the center of Paul's message in his life, and and the glory of God was the purpose of his work. I, I want that to settle in. Everything we have it has a purpose, so worshipping up here has a purpose, but if it's not to bring glory to God, then it's wrong, okay? So we see this attitude this Paul had of God and who he was when he says in Romans 11, verse 33, he goes, Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. We don't even understand when he judges us all. We don't fully get it. How inscrutable are his ways. We can't fully understand or interpret even We can guess, we can hypothesize, and we can definitely be given some insight, but we will not ever know all that there is to understand and interpret about God. Um, During my study, I came across this word, and it's called aseity. So it's a short word with a great big meaning. And it basically means the sufficiency of God, or God is self-sufficient. So I'm getting ready to knock you down, so brace yourself, Okay. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he describes it this way. He says, Almighty God, just because he's almighty, needs no support. The picture of a nervous, ingratiating God fawning over men to win their favor is not a pleasant one. Yet, if we look at the popular conception of God, that's precisely what we see. That's how most of us live. We think God's there for us. We think that if we give him glory and honor that he's better off because of that or that he's doing things to get us to do that. No, it's, it's not that way. He doesn't need us at all. He goes on to say, so the loft, lofty is our opinion of ourselves that we find it quite easy, not to say enjoyable, to believe that we are necessary to God. But the truth is that God is not greater than, for our being, nor would he be less if we didn't exist. It would not diminish him at all if we didn't exist. That we do exist is of God's free determination. That's all him. It's not by our desert or divine necessity. He doesn't need us. Paul really understood this. He seems to have this awe for God, but he also has a relationship with him. So we need to aim for that. So that's the first immense detail that I want you to get out of this verse. The second one is God's grace. Or, and I've kind of put in there that love acts, his His love in action. So the verse ends to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So I want you to picture this uh, huge storm, biggest one you've ever pictured, know about, and, and like a hurricane and in the this storm is god's justice it's his holiness that cannot be in the presence of sin but in the middle of this great big storm is this I, if you will that's his grace and it's his peace and he gives that to us if we'll accept it so on the road to damascus Saul is blinded, and he is hit with how far he is from God, all have sin- his sins, the immensity or the, the magnitude of his sins, and that separated him. But then when, when Jesus comes to him, and says, why do you persecute me? And he begins to come to God and understand that this is the, the next big reality. We have got to understand our sin, how far that separates us from God. So, so God is our benchmark, and now our sin separates us from God. And, and he, Paul, came to that understanding. It's like he got it, and now he's willing. He, he knows that, you know, God created his life, and now Paul gives it back to him. Okay, so that's the next big part. I think Paul understood this deeply. Let's see. And he says it here. In First Timothy uh, 12 through 16, but Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, who I am the foremost. So he said he was the worst sinner of all. So he got the magnitude of Jesus paying the price to bring him back. So this action of God through Christ, it's humbling. I, I It is to me. It humbles me. But then all I have... All I can do is give back gratefulness and praise and an attitude of living that out. But it doesn't stop there. This next point is immense in the same way. But all of a sudden, uh, Paul, as we read, he kind of understands that this isn't just for him, he's not the only one that gets to have a Damascus experience. It's offered to each one of us. Everybody, God offered it to everyone. He offered it to uh, uh, rescuing sinners, and we see this in Romans 8, verse 13 to 17. I'm not reading it all, or I didn't put it all on the screen. I summarized it for you. Uh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So without God, you will die eternity. You will not be in life right now. But if you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We've heard that somewhere else this morning. Remember who you are. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we're crying out to our Father. He's not just the judge. He's not just reckoning our judgment, our justice. He's offering us grace, but with a relationship like a father should be. I say it that way because we don't all have the best fathers. But this is the way a father's relationship should be, and we have confidence in being children. So he goes on to say the Spirit himself, God through the Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And as and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And every time I read this, I I know we've said it in several other messages, but um, Heidi specifically mentioned it about this stepping away from sin, clearing it out of your life and then taking the path that the, the spirit leads you on. We've got to do that. That is a part of this. If you don't hate your sin, you're not at one with the Spirit right now. It's not any clearer than that. You know if you're in the wrong. Now, it doesn't, doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with it, but you start this suffering right now if you're a child of God. So the significance of the reality, this reality, is that we're not just saved to an eternity with God. We're saved for a purpose right now. And it's to fulfill with peace and this confidence of being children or heirs. So we sang that song before this message. I am a child of God. I am who you say I am. We need to know it live it. Heather said it. Let's do it. Step into it. So this is a huge, immense uh, reality. One, there's God. Two, our distance from God. But God offers Paul, in this case, and you individually this way to be back in the middle of his justice, his holiness with him. And then the third immense reality is that it's for everybody else. So we're all potentially in this together. Can you imagine all of us being in heaven together on this holy world? Okay, the fourth one. Now, if we go uh, back to the verse that we can look, um, he says to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I say that this the cause of this is immense because this cause came from God. God gave this to Paul, and he gives it to us. And if any, so the cause is, it's valuable, it's important because it came from God. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So the, it came from God Himself. He owes His life to God and then He gives His life to God. Now, the second reason that this, this cause is immense is that a cause is as great as the effects it has. So we know that it affected Paul, and I know that it can affect each one of us. I know it's affected me. This cause that God gave each one of us to live for changes us. So it's a great cause, it's immense. Does that make sense? All right, great. You see, these realities, when understood, have a significant impact on our lives. Uh, Dave said it best. This is going to change us. We, we prayed before the, the service, and we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to prep you to be ready to worship God, this song after this message. It's greater things, okay? And I want you to think through it, and I really want you to wholly worship when we sing this song together but this significance has this effect and I want to look at it just really quickly uh, two points about how this these four immense realities changed Paul and took him to this next level where he went on these journeys so first it made him utterly indifferent to earthly gain now who is there anybody here I'm not I'm afraid to not have a certain level of wealth but, but Paul said, I'll give it all up because I understand who God is. He said, I do not count my life of any value nor precious to myself. It, it doesn't mean his life was worthless. It said he just didn't dwell on how valuable it was to him. In other words, he had found a cause to live for that was so profoundly satisfying that it was more valuable than life itself. All of our work... So if you think about the accomplishments that you have, if you have a good you know, a job that you really like and you enjoy and you get the paycheck, or relationships, if you have a great relationship or the picture of a great relationship, or even the experiences. You know, we love thrill-seeking. We love adventures. All of that pales in comparison to the pleasure of bringing glory to God. I can't say it any clearer than that. That's what we need to aspire to, to bring glory to God with what we do. Either way, Paul's creator had given him a cause to live for, that freed him for a kind of reckless abandon. It's kind of fun to hear. You know, y- you are freed now to go, and to serve. This, you know, life's. Uh, Paul's life was not dull. If if you read that, you laugh when I say that. If you know what his life was like, he was beaten, but he also got to preach to thousands. He was always at the center because he was pursuing it. But he was pursuing it for God's glory, not for his own glory. So, and, and it was fervent. I love that word. It's, it was a passionate intensity that he lived with. Okay, that was the first effect that these four immense realities had on Paul. The second effect was that his cause was so big and immense that it kept him on track. He had incredible discipline. He was not derailed by life's circumstances. So he wasn't married, and I don't say that as derogatory or as a pejorative. He was so engaged with God that it and that wasn't God's plan for him, so he wasn't married, but he stayed on. And That doesn't mean he physically didn't want a relationship or didn't meet people that he wanted to be married to. It's just he was so engaged with God, and his cause was bigger than that. And then the second one, Uh, let's see, sorry, he valued one thing more than life. And he said, if only I may accomplish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. He pictures himself as an athlete running a race and his coach, his trainer, his audience, even his award is Jesus Christ. We need to have that too. He's our coach. We need to know him then. We need to listen to him. He's our trainer, so that means this is a process. It's going to de- be every day. We've got to get up and make that decision every single day. He's going to be our audience, so we need to be thinking about him watching us. And he's going to be our aw- our award or reward. This is fun. Uh, this has been the most fun message <laughs> I have written. Okay, so up to this point, I've only been talking about Paul, but it's time to b- it's talk. It's a- time to talk about. How this applies to me and you, how do we put this into practice? Well, we have the same God, we have the same realities, and I want it to matter to you. I want you to walk out of here changed, honestly, I really do. I want it to have the same effect on us, and it can and it should affect us to the point that we impact the eternity of those around us. So what we need today is a cause to live for that comes from God. You know, if you're a teenager, an editor, a housewife, a businessman, teachers, doctors, nurses, lawyers, salesmen, engineers, I just came up with a bunch of people. Um, Any wage earner at any level, you need to ask, you know, what is the creator's purpose for our lives, for his creation, for all of his creation? Understand that and ask, what is the cause that God wants me to live for? You know, I, I didn't know where to put this, but I feel like I have to put this in there. I like this question because it's maybe thought-provoking. But what's your salvation for? If you're saved to be with God for eternity, why are we here? Because we have work. We have a purpose and that he still has for us. And And this is the part where we are growing as a church, but it's to minister to those around us. It's to fill a need to use the experiences, the resources, the training, the skills that we have to to minister to those around us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, If we look at Ephesians four, eleven and twelve, it basically says pastors have the job of equipping the saints for ministry, meaning that we, you know, ordinary Christians are to are the ones that do ministry. Okay, does everybody get that from, you know, the things that we've been going through, people that come up to you and they have this need that, hey, I've been through that. Well, when you help them, encourage them, point them back to God, ministry, okay? So let's read this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up. And and that's ministering to the body of Christ, so what ministry looks like is as varied as Christians are varied. So there's a different ministry for every single one of you. And it's not an office like elder or deacon or pastor. It's a lifestyle devoted to making much of Christ. If you want to write something down, make much of Christ. And meeting the needs of others. I, I like to use my life application study Bible because it gives me a lot of other information besides the word and, and it's great I like to measure that but at the beginning of Acts 13 it basically says that the book of, of Acts takes a shift right here and it goes from being about Peter to now it's being about Paul but then at the end of Acts it just stops and the point is is that the church didn't stop right there but we are the sequel you are the rest of Acts okay so acts is still being written but it's in your lives so you minister to those around you you know, some people are going to be like barnabas the encourager and some people are going to be like mark or silas or timothy or priscilla and aquila it's awesome to have couples that get to do ministry together or luke or apollos all of these guys i'm going to go back to ananias and I raise this because when the when God called him in a vision, he answered right away. So Ananias was in the zone. He was listening to God. He was hearing God. And when God spoke, he answered. And he went over to Straight Street. Even with all of Saul's reputation, he went ahead and obeyed. You know, Paul or Saul, preparing to be Paul, was on Straight Street already. God already had him on the path. So We all may be somewhere along the line. Apollos watered. Well, Ananias went in too, and he prayed over and baptized Saul. Paul, at that point, took off. So this message could have been about Ananias. I could have given the whole message on that, on just obeying, hearing God and obeying. But I didn't. So we're all called to give our life to the ministering of others, and to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I would challenge you now, don't just say gospel anymore. I want you to use the word God in there, and I want you to use the word grace in there, and I want you to use the gospel because it's God first. He's our point, our, ma- our, our benchmark, what we're aiming for, and the grace is what we're offered to to relieve our sins, to get us in holiness in that that part with him in the middle of the, all the justice. And then I want you to say gospel because it's for everybody. And then I want you to testify to it. So we're all called to this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7 of the ESV, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And that all sounds great, but I want you to hear it in the message. It says, each person is given something, to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. There's wise counsel and clear understanding. Simple trust. Think about that a minute. A a gift from the Holy Spirit, simply trusting. Trusting God and his promises and his word and his working. Healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclaiming the word, distinguishing between spirits, so discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. I want to close with a few final thoughts, and then we'll pray. We're created to be in a relationship with God. And the way we see Paul accomplish this is in three different points. It's very instructive for us. One, be occupied with the word. The word of God, you must be reading it. It must be a way of life. It has to be a way of life daily. And we must share the word. We we share it, we show it, and we live it. So you may not get to speak it, but live it out. I met with a guy that owes us several hundred thousand dollars at work the other day, and I know that he preaches. And so we have a relationship, but he said to me, he goes, my Christian witness couldn't let me do anything else. And I know he's struggling, but he's not going to be a write-off because he's going to find a way because he knows Jesus. I don't know where it all comes from. I don't know how it's going to work out, but there's a simple trust there. The second point, we have to work and minister where we are. Your ministry is in your home right now. I don't care what it looks like. It's in your home. It's in your neighborhood and where you work. That's your ministry. Now, God may take you somewhere else, and that is awesome. He did with Paul, but he didn't with some of these other people that I've mentioned. Paul came to them, and they actually ministered to him. They helped him out, and that's the way God's economy works. And the third point, is to live fervently in the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys know um, the Chuck Colson, some of his story, the Colson Center. John Stone Street runs it now, and they've got the Colson Fellows. Well, they have a motto or a theme for their fellowship program, and it's called Create, Confront, and Care. Create, we're all designed by God to create. And that may be writing. It may be building things. It may be very creative physically. But it may be creating opportunities to speak to people or setting up people to meet that need to be ministered to. So create opportunities. Maybe churches. Maybe you are the church planner, so go create. But then there's the confront piece. We've got to go back and know the word and confront when it's wrong and encourage and build up. But, but that has to be a part of our lives. We've got to know that we are a child of God, who we are, and then use that as a boldness to confront. And finally, care. This is where our ministry comes in, where we minister to others that are struggling. I, I thought that I picked that up this a month ago, and I just thought that is perfect for what we're doing here. So I want us to all say, be able to say ourselves, Acts 20, 24, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I, if only I may finish my purpose and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that what you have spoken through me will drive a burden but an excitement in, this, in the people that are hearing right now and if they hear it on the podcast. I just ask that you would move in each one of us. Now I ask you also to bring us to a point of worship that we're at one with you as we sing this song and we close out and go to worship you this week. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.